0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: My family recipe is a new podcast from Food 52 and Heritage Radio Network, bringing you cherished heirloom recipes and the stories behind them. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome everyone to another episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Adon Sanchez, alongside my beautiful mother.
3: Zarela Martinez.
2: Outstanding. Well, today we're really excited. We're gonna bring in a a guest that we're really excited to talk about. It's probably the most essential ingredient in the the Mexican diaspora. Uh, We're talking today, of course, uh, uh, the topic is, can heirloom corn be saved? And it's a huge, huge question that needs to be asked uh, and, and to help answer those questions, we are very, very uh, honored and super excited to uh, introduce and, and present Rafael Mier. He's an entrepreneur of con- conservationism He's the owner of Tortilla de Maiz. Uh, Rafael uh, is the founder and director of Fundacion Tortilla, a nonprofit initiative that promotes corn and tortilla culture in Mexico. During the last six years, he's been working in lobbying to recover a good quality of tortilla for the Mexican people and promoting a program to preserve Mexican ancient popcorn. Uh, you can imagine that, how, what, what a great undertaking that is. Uh, and to promote corn and tortilla knowledge, he has started a communication strategy based on social media, which now accounts for more than 450,000 followers. So you can imagine, he is uh, he's well on his way and already accomplished so much as far as spreading the gospel about beautiful heirloom, maiz and corn. Um, and he's also participating in over 200 events uh, in different agricultural and culinary schools. So you can imagine this gentleman right here is bringing the goods, he's gonna enlighten us. And I love this, this is Rafael's motto. He goes, sin maiz, no hay país. Without corn, there is no country. The Aztecs were fondly referred to as the people of corn. They kind of lived their life through the harvesting of corn. It was somewhat of a calendar. So we're really
4: excited. Everyone, please uh, welcome Rafael Almeida. Thank you. Thank you very much, Aaron and Zarel. I am very happy to be here today with you. So talk to us a little bit just so we can start and have a little bit of a a foundation
2: about your love affair with corn. What was your mission uh, in the beginning to really promote the awareness and, and all the beautiful things that corn has to bring, especially for the heirloom varietals from Mexico?
4: Well, as you, I'm sure you know, Mexico is the center of origin of corn and corn is the most important and sacred food for the Mexican people. But the problem is that even though corn is so important, nowadays people are are, are dropping their consumption. The consumption is in decline. People are eating less and less tortillas, tamales, atoles. And we are worried about that, especially because many people in the big cities are are, are not eating any more corn and that's something important also we are worried because of people not knowing how to make a tortilla many many Mexicans nowadays doesn't know how to prepare a tamale or an atole and we believe that this is connection With the main source of the food is a, is a, is a threat. It's something that we need to change. And that's why I started this foundation. Uh, One day I was eating with my family, with my nephews, nieces, brothers, sisters. And then I realized that many of my uh, family and friends, they don't know how to make a tortilla. And I, and I realized that this is, this is a big issue. People in Mexico should need to know about tortilla, they need to know about corn, they need to know about how important it is for our culture, for our daily diet, no? And that's how I decided to start a Facebook page, that's how we started. Since I realized that people need some information, I thought, well, nowadays many people are in the social media, I should start a Facebook fan page. And that's how I started at the very beginning. There were just a couple of friends and family. And nowadays we have a lot of of people joining and following us, our work. Since that day, we have been posting daily uh, information regarding corn, tortilla, tamales, and all these uh, different foods that could be made with corn and trying to make a change and trying to to make people aware about the importance of corn. And we we can talk a a lot about all this, no? So
2: Rafael, um, you know, we're talking about the tortilla consumption in Mexico has fallen 40% in the last 30 years. Now, the question that we have for you amongst many more, but um, knowing that there is a possibility of 59 different varieties of heirloom, corn varieties native to mexico that are on the on the verge of being extinct or not being available are you having a direct dialogue with government and the local farmers to create awareness about this
4: yeah well there it's it's important to mention that uh, not all of the 59 land races of corn in Mexico are endangered. Some of them, they are, because some of them, they they are produced just by a few farmers. Like, for example, the palomero, all this popcorn. There We have in Mexico many different land races of heirloom popcorn that now they are not being produced as as much as we want. But there are are other land races that they are produced uh, in in big quantities, no? Like, for example, Tuxpeño corn is one of the corn that is uh, most widely produced in Mexico. Uh, And many people still eat them, no? But uh, as you were mentioning, there there there's a risk of losing some of these varieties it's important to notice that most of these land races were developed by farmers uh, through the history by selecting and choosing their best seeds in order to improve and enhance their production abilities their cooking uh, features you no know? and most of the corns are related to a geographic region in in mexico to a to a different indigenous people no to families to traditions to special dishes for example in mexico we have uh, land races that are specially used for some some particular uh, dish, for example, for the tlayudas, we use the bolita corn, for the pozoles, we use cacahuacintle, maiz ancho, maiz jala. So we have different land races for every particular uh, dish, no? So what's the problem now is that uh, we are switching to other kinds of modern corn. We are switching to hybrid corns and we are also receiving a lot of GMO corn from the U.S. and from other countries, but especially from the U.S. And this corn is is uh, is is taking the place of the land races, native ancestral corns, and that this is a topic that we want to to change. So, what are we doing? First of all, we are trying to to make people know that Mexico is so rich in diversity of corn. We have so many different varieties, these 64 different land races from which we have thousands of uh, varieties, no? Uh, and they are the base, they are the basement of our traditional cuisine, no? If we want to preserve our Mexican food, we need to preserve our traditional food corns, no? So the what we are doing in the Fundación Tortilla is trying to make people know about this diversity. We want people to know that we have different corns, that each region, each state of Mexico, each indigenous people have different corns. And these different corns are the basement of the traditional food. We are also trying to work with the government in order to make them know that it is important to, to take care of these uh, heirloom varieties. Uh, we are trying to work also with the chefs, with the people in the traditional cooks, because nowadays, uh, corn is like uh, generalized. They, they, we are not paying attention to what kind of corn are we cooking in our restaurants, no? probably you have seen there there are there are thousands of cookbooks in mexico from mexican cook uh, cuisine and you will never find which kind of corn is the one that is used for any particular dishes. No. So if you read the mole section or you read, uh, read a mole recipe, you will find that you need the guajillo pepper or the, yeah. Well, uh, why is that not happening with the corn? Yeah. And this I'm, is not I'm, happening mom, with the corn. Yeah, no. Yeah. So it has been generalized. It has not been, uh, uh pay. We haven't paid the attention it should have. No. Yeah.
1: Good food is worth a thousand words. This is Aarti Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you, My Family Recipe, from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network. Adapted from Food52's much-loved column of the same name, the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it, from voices across the world of food. We'd open these tubs of dough and they would exhaust these incredible yeasty fumes and it just smelled like nothing else. It was so intoxicating. I'll interview writers and chefs, parents and children, about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love.
2: Chinese people aren't like born with a download on how to like velvet chicken. You know, like that's not something that just like comes
1: to you. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
2: All right, Rafael. So basically your mission has been to create awareness about the consumption of tortillas and all the different heirloom varieties of corn uh, that are not just consumed in Mexico, but also permeating all over Latin America, America, etc. cetera. Um, we know that it's important to try to make sure that there's a discussion with government and, and the producers to make sure that to create um, an avenue for people to actually seek out this information and be smarter about their choices when it comes to tortillas. You eloquently mentioned that if you look at a, a cookbook that has molas, for instance, there's a distinct um, uh, classification of the chiles for, for, for example, but there's not necessarily that for corn. If a recipe calls for masa or tortillas, there's not necessarily that kind of understanding. Of how to seek out that 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 particular information, uh, and so that's really where we're at right now, as far as making sure that we're creating that understanding, getting the the message out there to the masses. Mm-hmm. And mom, you had a
4: question for him, right? For for Rafael. Yeah. So how
3: does that apply to the to to the home cook?
4: Well, to the home cook in it's important to mention that most of the people nowadays, they don't cook corn. They used to buy the masa. They used to buy the tortillas. So one of the important things is to make and bring back people to cook corn in their houses. That's one of the missions that we really want to do. And also, if they are not going or willing to cook their own corn in-house, they should try to find good places in order to source a better corn, a better tortilla, so they could have a better quality food. Uh,
3: How much of your corn that you, uh, Erdogan corn goes into liquor? Because I understand that a lot of the native corn from Mexico goes to produce liquor.
4: Well, now now there are many people doing whiskeys and beers and some (laughs) stuff, but they are just starting. It's important to mention that we have we have a big um, production of corn in Mexico. We produce more than 20, 27 million tons of corn. Half of it is heirloom corn, and the other half of it is hybrid corn. So if you go to the rural places in Mexico, we still are eating a lot of heirloom corn. All these new enterprises, are they are still small probably in the future we will they will be heavy consumers of corn heirloom corn and that's something that we are willing to happen no we we want people to to use native corn to pay a fair pra- price for them and to use them in many different uh uses no is there currently uh, a a domination
2: of origin uh, in Mexico to actually recognize particular regions that produce corn like you would do with wine or tequila?
4: Or no? Not yet, Aaron, not yet. That's something no. that Mexico needs to work on. Uh, the, the denominations of origins, they are a little bit complicated because they need a, a federal norm, uh, like an act, yeah. in order to be completed. and. The problem in Mexico is that we have so many different varieties of corn that we will need to work with with hundreds of denominaciones or origin. Uh, yeah. What what it has been made like the past year, two senators uh, propose a, a new law. Now Mexico has a new law of which protects the heirloom corn varieties in Mexico. It is it has been voted and it has been approved in the Senator Chamber and in the Diputados Cámara de Diputados and Senadores it has been approved mm-hmm. and now it's time to to do all the all the reglamentos all the regulations that comes and derive from this uh, act. This is a very important thing. We also have in the in the policy side, we also had a presidential decree passed uh, this year, in which uh, they stated that we we shouldn't start we shouldn't eat more uh, GMO corn. There's a goal to to switch all this corn consumption from the GMO corn. We will drop all this consumption and and try to eat the Mexican. Corn, no, and it's also they are they are banning the use of glyphosate. That you might probably know that it's a herbicide that is heavily used all around the world to produce corn and wheat and many other products. That it has been uh, proved to be uh, a, a cancer. No, it, it produces yeah. cancer. Polish, no? yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah.
4: Wow,
3: I think this herbicide is also related to Parkinson's. They're doing a whole bunch of studies, you know, with this herbicide being related to the pop- yeah, oh, that's wow. true.
4: No, yeah, they have been finding many different uh, health risks and, and associated with it. Now, let's
2: let's talk a little bit about palomitas, no, about the popcorn. So, yeah, I know that this is a, 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 a really a passionate uh, project for you, Rafael, which is a derivative, obviously, of, of the maize and the corn. Talk to us a little bit about uh, the popcorn and how it's sort of puffed up and how it's become something that is so special. Because I know that you work with maíz from Toluca, no? Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that?
4: Yeah. First of all, I think it's important to know that popcorn is probably one of the eldest ways in which Mexican people and the world has been eating corn. Mm -hmm. All All the old varieties of corn were popcorn. Yeah. And this ability to pop is a uh, is is a is a feature that they inherited from the teosintle. Mm. The teosinte is this wild grass from which all corns uh, come from. And if you can imagine in the history people people were using corn, they were they were uh, placing fires and leading fires and when when they put these ears of corn close to the fire, they, they pop. <laughs> and that's probably one of, the, one of the earliest ways of eating, you know, and that's why we have been so, so interested in corn. Uh, Mexico has many different uh, heirloom varieties of popcorn, and nowadays even though Mexico has this diversity, Mexico is buying the whole production, the whole consumption of their popcorn is coming from the US. More than 99% of the popcorn production and consumption in Mexico is coming from the US. Wow. Even though even though we are the center of origin of popcorn. Popcorn started here in Mexico and they and they traveled down to South America, North to the North America and the US, but Mexico start uh, drop their production of popcorn, no?
2: And do you need a separate variety of corn to make popcorn or is it can be used with this, the same stuff that you would make tortillas with?
4: Yeah. Well, this is important. Like not, not all the corns are, are able to, to, to produce popcorns, no? Wow. We need to use uh, flint corn which is like a very hard endosperm we need the, the starches to be very tightly packed in order to make this pressure to to hold the pressure of the steam when you when you heat you know when you place a, a kernel of popcorn in the in the pan or in a, in a microwave it, it, this kernel has a little proportion of humidity inside and when you are heating these kernels, this this moisture uh, evaporates and builds pressure, ah. and and that's why it it pops and it it then all these starches gel- gelatinize and produce the the popcorn. No, and Rafael, I think it's safe to say you know
2: you said it's permeated all these different cultures. It's 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 definitely become part of pop culture.
3: <laughs> that's good.
2: That's
3: very cute. Anyway, anyway, I want to bring up another. I want to bring up another subject. You know, Mexicans used to have beautiful teeth because they ate a lot of nixtamalized corn. Yeah. So yeah, because it has all this calcium. So I wonder what is happening now with Mexican teeth. Now that they're eating other things.
4: Well, the problem with Mexican teeth nowadays is the consumption of sugar. You know yeah. that we are, we are one of the most important uh, consumers of soft drinks and all these sweets, no? But coming back to the nixtamalization, nixtamalization is one of the most important techniques in Mexico for producing and transforming corn. As you mentioned, it, uh, it, it, it brings a lot of calcium to the diet, but it also brings the, the possibility to to assimilate better the nu- the nutritional components of corn, Vitamin vitamins and minerals and all this fiber, they are better digested because of cooking the corn with calcium hydroxide or cal, cal no, cal. how cal. we call it, no or, or culinary lime, no, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm.
3: And when combined with beans, it becomes a perfect protein.
4: Yes, Yeah. exactly. You know, you know that we consume a lot of corn together with beans or with other legumes like fava beans or yeah. or this. Uh, now, Rafaela. so when you open a ear of beautiful corn and you see all those little silky uh,
2: strands, right? Yeah. Is it true that each one of those strands represent one individual kernel of corn?
4: Yeah, that's true, Aaron. It is uh, right. Okay, it cool. is. It is. You know,
2: so I you heard know? that, and I thought that was fascinating.
4: You yeah, know? and that's 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 interesting because that's the way corn pollinates. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike other other plants in the botanic, you no, know, corn pollinates through wind, mm-hmm. especially. You no, know? so we have these flowers the corn starts flowering, and all this pollen uh, goes down. No, Uh, and Mm. each of these seals or strands they are they need to collect one grain of pollen in order to pollinate and fecundate the the grain. So each particular grain of an ear of corn uh, is a is an it's a known uh, individual. Wow. So the genetics wow. of one kernel is different from the genetics of the of his brother or sister kernel, no? <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, we have Ew. thousands, no?
3: So, what effects are all the seed banks that the farmers are setting up in all the little in, in yeah. communities? You know, our friend Gira Vallejo and Jonathan and Barbieri are working with a lot of the communities. And they have all set up their seed bags.
4: Yeah, that's true.
3: So how, how, how is that affecting the population, you know, the use? Yeah,
4: probably that. this is something interesting to mention uh, a little bit uh, earlier, is to know that the Mexican we, corn we produce, these heirloom varieties are open pollinated. So all these varieties of ancient corn that we are growing here is seed that is produced, selected, and saved each particular generation uh, from years to years, no? And this has been done for 9,000 years. The difference with the corn that the, that the big farmers, both in Mexico or in the U.S., uh, this hybrid and uh, GMO corn, is that that kind of corn is selected and their genetic pool is reduced so so much that we are just having just a few lines of corn just a few uh, blots of corn but what we have in Mexico is a is a huge diversity every year millions of plants different individual plants with genetic information are being produced in Mexico and and those are the ones that are Keeping and saving our heirloom corn varieties, both in Mexico and in other countries of Latin America, uh, these these seed banks that from which Sarela is talking about, uh, these seed banks are are built and are are promoted nowadays in order to keep and save these seeds. This kind of special seed has been saved and stored for millions of, thousands of years, and we don't want them to lose. If one particular farmer has a bad, a bad year, or they cannot, uh, they have a, if they face drought or a, a hurricane or whatever, whatever uh, problem they could face in their production, they could lose their varieties and they could lose the seeds of these uh, long time adapted and treasured seeds, no? And that's why it's important to make uh, sa- safety places in order to keep seeds just in case there's a problem or a.
3: Yeah. Let me ask you one thing. You mentioned that popcorn is flint corn. Yeah. Well, most aren't, that's a mm. hard start. Yeah. So, so what are most methods and varieties soft starch? Well,
4: uh, we have, we have both. We have hard, hard endosperm that are these flint corn. Then we have dented corn that is in the middle, is in the intermediate of, of hardness. And then we have flower corns, or starchy corns, no, that, are like uh, cacahuacintle corn is a good example of a starchy corn or flower corn. But we have, uh, we have a whole range of diversity. Uh, for example, and, and not always all the flint corns are useful for popcorn. For example, the corn bolita, that is, uh, is a very famous corn from the central valleys of Oaxaca, and is the one that is used to make uh, tlayuda. It's a very hard endosperm corn
3: oh I do know that
4: yeah yeah and, and can you get Mexican popcorn in the
2: us had, are we starting to export to to the us
4: well one of the one of the main problems with popcorn now in Mexico is that that producers didn't pay attention to the their ability to pop uh, most of the consumption in Mexico goes to tortilla no the like 80% of the corn that is produced in Mexico heads to the production of tortilla. So what happened to our ancient popcorns that people start looking at these little ears and they start uh, thinking that these ears weren't, weren't so valuable and they start dropping them. So nowadays, the the situation is that most of the people that are Still producing these popcorn, they now lost the the knowledge of popping them. They don't know that they have the capacity of popping. They they are mixed with other tortilla corns or pozole corns, elote corns, and now they they drop their ability to pop. Wow! And it's sad
2: that they they weren't they weren't listening to those little ears.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs>
3: You're getting better, honey. <laughs> yeah. You're getting better. <laughs> now,
2: um, Rafael, as far as people engaging with you, being able to ask more questions about how they can help, how can they spread the word, what what are what would be your suggestions for people to to, to get behind this movement?
4: Well, first of all, they need to, to meet all these corns, no? Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways to meet these corns is to come to Mexico, travel around Mexico, meet their amazing, our amazing cooking cooks, no? All mm-hmm. these dishes that made with corn. Corn is such a versatile ingredient. You can use it and cook it in so many different ways, no? So once, the first thing is to taste and know and meet all this experience. No, Mm -hmm. Uh, in the other side, it's important to promote the consumption of a good corn. If you live in the U.S., there are many different entrepreneurs and many different tortillerias, taquerias that are trying to make a better better, uh, tortilla, better Mm -hmm. tacos, better tamales all around the U.S., no? Uh, more many of them, they are bringing and corn from the U from Mexico. There are some companies now in Mexico that are exporting heirloom corn to the U.S. So nowadays, many people in the U.S. are able to eat Mexican corn in many different restaurants. Can you can you mention a couple of those of those sources? Well, yeah, we we have we have Tamoa. Okay. Tamoa is a company that is exporting corn. We have Macienda, Agropa, Idb Maïces. There are there are many different uh, companies that are also shipping shipping Mexican corn to the U.S. No.
2: I think it's important to add some links as well. Um, you yeah. know whether with you know we'll get all your information Rafael. My mom will put some stuff up as well. So.
3: What is the best corn for sacahuil?
2: Explain what sacahuil is, mom, please.
3: Zacahui is a gigantic tamal, but I'm going to go to Oaxaca next week, and I'm going to do a party, and I don't dare do Oaxacan cooking, so I'm going to make Veracruz cooking, and I want to make a Zacahui de olla. It's a gigantic tamal, but you can also do it in a pot that you crack the tamal into smaller pieces like the size of rice. You cook it in a lot of lard and in a lot of stock, and it's fantastic. So that's what I'm gonna, one of the things I'm gonna make for
4: them. Sacaville. Well, yeah, that Zacahuil is amazing. Zacahuil, Sarela, as you know, is, is coming from this Huasteca region. And this region has a big diversity of corn. One of the most important corns of this region is the Tuxpeño or Tampiqueño corn. And this is a tropical corn that is grown all around the, the coast, the coasts in Mexico, and also up to the mountains a little bit. So Tuxpeño could be a good a good corn for your Sacagüel.
3: That's good.
4: <laughs> And oh, it's oh, a man. big ear. And this Tuxpeño corn is also good for tamale leaves. Yes, yes. This this is one of the biggest corns we have in Mexico, yep. this Tuxpeño, together with the jala corn, and they are Perfect for for extracting their leaves for tamales, no?
2: Yeah, and a lot of a lot of regions in in Oaxaca, they they actually use the leaves of the actual corn plant, not the, yeah. the husks. And that yeah, would be but, that, yeah, exactly. Like the tamales de mole amarillo would be a great you know example of that, where you actually use the leaves, not the corn husks. Yeah, that's
4: one. Yeah, that's true. The, we use different parts of of, of and different leaves to wrap our tamales. Yes. Zarela knows a lot of, about this. We have so many different tamales all around Mexico that we have so many different species of plants which we use mm-hmm. uh, to to cover our tamales, no? Of course. I know
3: Ricardo Muñoz Zurita is going to be on a podcast that he's going to talk about all the kinds of leaves that we use to great. wrap tamales. Wow. That's great.
2: Yes. Rafael, please uh, let our, our listeners uh, on Heritage Radio Network how they can engage with you, how they can continue the conversation. Um, your website, your you know anything yeah. that you'd be uh, comfortable giving.
4: Well, they can follow us in FundacionTortilla.org. That's mm-hmm. our website, or they can follow us in Facebook Tortilla de Maiz Mexicana or in Instagram Fundacion Tortilla. No. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Rafael. You a
2: true tesoro de Mexico. Estamos super orgullosos de, de todo tu trabajo. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, we're very grateful to have you here. Yeah,
3: well, of course. We're dying to have you here, and I'm happy that that you're giving us a whole other I I think, I thought that we knew about corn, but you gave us <laughs> a whole other world to explore. Exactly. Down.
4: Yeah, there are so many things that we can talk It's important to mention that we are that we are changing now the tortilla act and that's something that we weren't able to talk about. but it's important to know that Mexicans will be able to differentiate better tortillas now that we are working in order to change and differentiate tortillas properly so cons- tortilla consumers could have better choices in Mexico that's that's important wonderful you know
3: i forgot to mention something rafael has this wonderful online Courses on corn, and and you uh, he, he can enroll on his website. And the courses are really brilliantly done. And I'll just tell you a, a little fun anecdote. You know, uh, somebody was was uh, making a tortilla, and Jesus Christ supposedly appeared in this tortilla, and it was put up in a in a in a church, and people came from miles around to worship the holy <laughs> tortilla as it should be worshipped, exactly. anyway. So thank you so much. Gracias, thank compadre.
4: you so much. Abrazo. Thank you very much, Arela, Aaron. It has been a pleasure and thanks for the invitation.
2: Yes, and again, just so everyone knows, we've been talking about, can the tortilla be saved? Can heirloom uh, corn in Mexico be saved? And I can tell you very confidently, it is thanks to the valuable work and commitment that Rafael Mier is doing, uh, with Fundación Tortilla and all the different things that he's involved. So we're eternally grateful. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Aaron Sanchez. And
3: I'm La Martinez.
2: Hasta luego. Cooking in Mexican from A to Z is powered by Simple Cast.
3: se entrañan